welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. We have Kenny and Andy on, two of the guys from Overhaul. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Hi. Doing good. Awesome. And talking from the other side of the globe, um, this wonderful day. So you guys are in the afternoon hours. So I'm in the morning <laughs> over here in the U.S. So we're here to introduce you to the audience. We've been trying to get this for a while now, um, almost since the beginning of my show. Uh, but COVID's been, you know, kept you guys kind of busy. Indeed, indeed, but yeah. Excellent. You guys have a, a, an album out. Well, it's a you redid an, uh, an original album, which is what you're promoting today, and I'm sure you have more stuff going on. Let's talk about a little bit the band first, all right? The inception, just a little like mini bio. We don't need a behind the music, a whole thing. If either of you guys want to uh, jump in, <laughs> you jump in. Anybody over here? Kenny? <laughs> all right, I was waiting for you, and sorry. Yeah. Uh, Overall, Kenny, we've been going for quite a few years now. What, what we're saying, Andy, about 1998, maybe we met? 97, definitely. But for you and me, wow. it's about 98. Yeah. And yeah, uh, it's kind of, uh, I, I got to know Andy because we lived in the same village and worked in the same city and got the same train quite frequently. And Andy worked in a music shop that I visited quite a lot and we just got started from there and he was like you want to come and jam and the next thing I knew it was like I'm in a band so that, that was my experience of it I didn't we didn't really set out to do sort of uh, I didn't answer any musicians wanted adverts I didn't uh, do anything like that I just sort of accidentally ended up in a band and I've kind of been accidentally in the band ever since so, it sounds like serendipity accidentally <laughs> that works out yeah it's uh, so that's kind of been my experience of it and andy's i think got more stories to tell because he's he, it's a lot you know he's he's written all the songs thus far although i'm threatening uh and sort of has the vision so i'll let andy speak a bit more now yeah uh well Obviously, next year marks our 25th anniversary uh, of the creation of Overhaul. So um, there's, there's been plenty going on. Uh, there's been plenty of lineup changes. There's been some famous people in the band, not so famous people in the band. Uh, but it always seems to come back to Kenny and I getting back together and, you know, writing music and playing music and making a kick like a mule, you know? So, yeah. So the overhaul's got a kind of a lot of stories to tell, but um, I think you need more than one show for that. <laughs> well, we'll have you back for more. We're just kind of this is more of an in intro. This is your, this is overhaul one hundred and one. Yeah. Um, so, which really kind of neat. So this album we're going to talk about, you actually had it mixed over here in the U.S. The US actually in Massachusetts. Uh, yeah, uh, Justin Pitts for which is not that far away from me. Actually, it's a state away from me. All so, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kenny and I are big kind of Sonic Youth and Dinosaur Jr. and Sebado fans. Um, and when we originally recorded this album, we had like Nirvana's Inutero in mind and, you know, that sound. Mm -hmm. uh, but we just, I think we, we just weren't that ready to do that, uh, to get that sound and get that thing 20, oh, 18 years ago. Uh, so when we came back to it, we decided that um, we wanted to get somebody like Justin to mix the album, but unfortunately 
COVID hit, so he could only do some of the songs. So the rest of the songs I actually mixed. But the ones he did, man, it's the closest we'll sound to Dinosaur Jr. or whatever. You know, it's it, he did a great job on them. Oh, the album, yeah, the album's really produced really, really well. And I like a lot of those bands you mentioned. Um, Sonic Youth, real, like a real soft spot for those guys, especially. I think a lot of people do. I saw them on Goo. Oh, um, that must have been. That was just so good to see them because they had a little bit more, you know, financial almost behind them too once the tour. So you get to do a little bit more, you get a little more, you know, more sound check, a little more. So they can be them, you know, the more, the bigger you get, the more you can be you, you know, for bands though. True. It's not always bad to catch them as they get bigger. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, let's talk about this, this new album. You want to, um, we can break down a couple of tracks. Want to go through some of the tracks too? Yeah. Okay. Um, any particular track you want to talk about, Kenny, or, um, you want to flip flop through them? We talk to you. There's only a couple of tracks. There's only ten tracks. Probably, kind of yeah. Start at the beginning with uh, "I'm scared." I'm scared. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I wrote that song um, coming back uh, from rehearsal one day, um, and it was just this. I had this riff, this kind of you know uh, that sounds cool, and it was just a concentrated walk of I, I would say about kind of twenty minutes, maybe from Glasgow to Loch Lennock on the train, mm-hmm. um, and in that twenty minutes. I was able to rattle out uh, the lyrics for this thing. Okay, they're not the best lyrics I've ever written, but you know, it, it was a starting point. It, it got the message across, and it really kind of um, it stuck. You know, and then apart from one word, one word, I've changed. I've not changed a thing in in eighteen years or whatever. So, have you guys actually? Yeah. So, as you, you know, we'll go back and I just jump around. As you wrote, redid this album, have you gone like a lot of changes? Or you kind of kept pretty much to what it was like? You said one or two lyrics. Have you changed? Um, you know what? Riff should be here. I want to mix it up a little bit. Have you kind of gone back and tweaked it a little bit more now? Um, no, no. The, the songs pretty much remained the same. Yeah, there have been a few things, minor things. Uh, the the one word in "I'm scared" uh, that Andy's talking about there is uh, would that be repulsional? It was, yeah. <laughs> which isn't a word and uh, that's one of these things always kind of bugged me about that song and finally when we were you know had the chance to redo it I, I did think right is he gonna is he gonna use the word that doesn't exist but no proper proper I almost think you should probably rename the song that I totally owned it <laughs> gone the other way with it <laughs> or the same, this next album title emotional <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, other than that, there's sort of a couple of couple of tracks that restructured slightly. And I'm on when I'm scared, I'm playing a slightly different thing on, on the bass during the, the, the verse than I originally did. But other than that, the album's pretty much the same. A lot a lot of it comes down, I think, to the fact you know we've played the songs a lot over the you know we've Played them for twenty five years, and something like "I'm Scared" is the one that we use to settle our nerves. When you know, if, if we've not played for a while or anything, we'll usually sort of blast through that and, and see if it still works. Uh, so it's generally, you know, it's it's when we start if we we start a lot of shows with it because it's mm-hmm. uh, just fairly immediate and also you know good gauge of how things are going to go. So yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of it. How about the gear? Has it changed over the years? Are you probably keep it similar to what you guys when you started playing the songs on it? Same type of guitars, drum sets. Have you changed add, you know, bass? Have you changed around effects? Oh yeah, yeah. 
uh, um, I used to have a, a massive pedal board. I think at one stage it might have had like 18 effects on it. Um, uh -huh. I've whittled it down to maybe, you know, kind of five or six pedals that I use. Uh, I was a big Jazz Master fan back in the day, but now I'm, I'm using kind of Les Pauls exclusively. Um, but yeah, um, uh, Kenny, I, I, I can't talk to you about bass, but. Yeah, on my side, it's kind of remained largely the same. Uh, it's the same. I've actually we continue to use my main bass, the, which is a, a black precision bass with a jazz bass neck on it, uh, and that goes through a big muff and maybe a couple of other pedals. There's a couple of fun things that I do in other songs that I might get to later, but. Over the years, the main thing that's changed for me is that I've reduced the amount of uh, the bass amp technology has moved on, and you can now get a bass amp that you can pick up with one hand uh, and get quite a lot of sound out, whereas in the olden days it was lugging incredibly heavy things around and not having much fun with them. So well, that's, that, that's, that's part that's crazy. A lot of bands can do it now. You can take like a small little piece of gear and plug it into the system, and you can replicate yeah. all of your sounds now. It's all you know, copied and digital. Yeah, we're not quite at the stage of the sort of plugging into the, the the you know line six emulators and everything. Not quite got to that stage. I think we both still like to have amps blaring and like you know I've seen you know we've done a few shows with bands using pretty much digital uh, straight into in ear monitors. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, if you're touring around and, you know, it's great because you're, you, you don't have much setup, you don't have much gear to lug and you've, you've fairly consistent sound across the board when you tour. So I can see the advantages, but we've, we've not quite fully embraced that yet. I'll just acknowledge it. It's neat because you guys, I'm sorry, uh, Andy, what's great is to have the chance to talk just to a band that's actually redoing an album that they did, they didn't put out this long into their career later on. They've had all kinds of different advances and stuff. So to do that and go back and look at it is is, is really interesting, you know. Yeah. To do that because it's really been has I don't know any of the bands have done that. I mean, I'm sure everything's been done, but. <laughs> uh -huh. And usually, usually it's the Beatles. It's the music that usually the Beatles have done have done it already. So, but um. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I, I I I can't really think offhand of a band that's done that before. Um, no. Heard of bands of like kind of Screeching Weasel and all that doing other bands' first albums, you know? Right. Um, right. When they did the Ramones album, um, but um, I've, I've, no, I've never heard of a band to go back to. You know, but yeah, I can it, think. Yeah, I can think of a couple of things that uh, Iron Maiden did B-sides of re-recorded original of like the, the early stuff uh, re-recorded at the Bruce Dickinson. Right. Uh, back Back in the like sort bigger of, heads and stuff, yeah. Yeah, back when it was the, but that was, I mean, that was when Seventh Son and the Seventh Son, Son came out, which is, you know, 1987 or something. So it wasn't, it was just, you know, it was them at the height of their powers at the time with the, the you know, the, the, the current singer uh, instead of the, the previous guy. And I, I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't think it's quite the same thing, and obviously, it's definitely not. Cause no. it's I also think that I don't know that. I almost think it helped the time because that was a very keyboard album for them. So I think having Bruce yeah. do some old school stuff, maybe have appeased some old school fans too that they weren't totally. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, that's just an opinion on it, you know. 
Um, but but to your to your point, yeah, this is this is great. Let's hop into a couple songs. We'll we'll keep picking back and forth. What about say what you will? I like to break uh, down songs. Yeah, say what you will was a kind of um, it started off as just a funny riff. You know, it was just something I was messing around with, noodling with, and then it turned into something. I started adding a lyric here, a lyric there, because if you listen to the song, it's the same chords over and over again so it is kind of a repetitive thing but uh, yeah it turned into a song that I was messing around with a couple of chords that's you know that's that's really all that really has to say about it you know it was crazy a lot of songs so if you really think a lot of songs are repetitive you never really thought about it. I started playing guitar a few years ago and I'm like never realized how repetitive a lick was and I'm like, I don't know how bands play their songs after they record it the first time. Like, it's like, like you know, even like back in black, like any riff, you're like, oh my God, did that over and over and over again? It's probably more fun than somebody else's. Yeah. Well, listen to the Stooges TVI. I mean, that, that is just, that, that's a perfect yeah. example of a repetitive lift. And, you know, we always play it. <laughs> just because it's it's simple or it's repetitive doesn't make it energetic. Any less. You know, so, but yeah. Less, that's the magic. What about uh, reaching, reaching for the Star? And actually, we'll talk about that. And, and yeah, like a cartoon. That's a, that's a great title, too. I think um, those are two good. And actually, I like the way they're placed together in the album. I think album placement for songs is kind of important. Thank you. Thank you. Reaching for the Stars um, it was actually one of the first songs I wrote. Um, uh, it's actually about a friend, uh, my best friend and uh, him going up to the top of this island that I live on. Um, so that was about him. Um, but, you know, there's two different versions of this song. Um, Reaching for the Stars was recorded on the Here and There album with Victor DeLorenzo of the Violent Femmes. Uh, he was the drummer and producer on that album. Um, it was a great version, um, but it was always kind of, it, that version was very, very laid back. And I always wanted that kind of, the, the grit that was on, on this version, uh, but that never came through. And I just decided, you know what? It was a fantastic song while Kenny and I were playing it. We're going to do it again, you know? <laughs> it was part of that album. We're just going to do it again. No questions asked, no, nothing like that. We're doing it. So, and we got it the way we sound, wanted it to sound. So, in doing this on Step Back, I actually have been listening to, over the course of the year, your other, your other albums too. So, it's, it, it does, it ties in very strong. It's not, it's not like it's a huge jump. You're like, oh, wow, you know what I mean? So it, it, it places nicely. You now later on, it can be confusing for the fans. Like, wait, this was the first one or their third or fourth album with an EP? Or you're like, because of, the, you know, how it's put out, but it's, you know, if it's perfect or linear in your, in your songwriting, you know what I mean? It doesn't jump out crazy. But you know, it's a very it's a very solid album too. I mean, I'm glad you guys redid it because it, it really would have been a crime to let all these songs just kind of. Yeah, yeah. One of the, fun, fun enough, one of the, Kenny, you, you can probably say this better, but I always remember reaching for the stars when we originally recorded it. Did you not have a bass that had like uh, matchsticks in the frets or something like that? Yes. Oh yeah, I I converted I converted my bass to fretless uh, by take ripping the frets out and filling the the gaps in between with uh, modeling putty. And that worked out for you. My kid was going to do that too. Yeah, like last um, week. <laughs> I, I recommend it as something to try. Uh, you'll you'll soon find out whether you're any good at fretless bass or not. I'm just 
just about good enough to when we recorded the song originally back however many years ago that was the song that I was like right if I'm going to use fretless on anything it's going to be that one and tried it and it, 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 it fitted okay but I think I, I definitely prefer the new version uh, and again with that song though it was for the, the stuff that we'd been doing at the time it was it was a bit of a departure from the sort of very very guitary noisy uh, type songs to do then this more of the ballady thing and you know it, it, we've we've played it acoustically we've played it you know uh, with full electric guitars and and all points in between and it's a it's a fun one to you know it, it can be done in a number of different ways and it, it's fun to sort of have that versatility in a song it's it, it's good. So are you gonna? We're we're gonna do, be doing like lead off songs. Let's do some singles and videos, things, anything for this album to kind of um, make plans. Like as we're talking about being a ballady, a good mix up song, you can kind of go and plug with this one. It sounds yeah. like a single. <laughs> yeah, well, we we do have some plans to kind of do some acoustic stuff. Um, we'll run up to the album if we can get around to doing it. You know, uh, it will be done, but it will be done eventually. You know. Um, but um, uh, next year, like we said, is our 25th anniversary. So a lot of the stuff I think we're trying to keep for next year because there is, we'll come back to that in yeah. a little bit, but uh, there is some big news happening. Yeah. And, you know. We don't need to squeeze anything out of you either. So we'll do it in, in, a, in a process that you want here. Just kind of thinking as we talk about it, um, you know, especially yeah, that's a big number for a band. That's, you know, you get a lot going on and then being locked up with COVID, you redid your, your album. So that's a fan favorite. Um, the title, yeah, like a cartoon, which is pretty cool. That's actually a big good album title too. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like a cartoon. Um, if you, like many artists, many kind of musicians and all that, um, I, I kind of suffered from depression very early on. And this song is, was basically me trying to say what I felt, you know, about the world, about kind of how, it can be quite a, a kind of unsettling place at times, whereas in a cartoon, everything seems fun and joyful, unless you're the roadrunner and then you're constantly being hated, you know, but um, no, you, you know, forget the kind of the, the Disney type things, you know, cartoons can is, is all about fun. It's all about kind of a, a light place to be, you know, um, and I, I, was, I, I always thought kind of, well, depression is a very, very heavy thing. Cartoons are a very colorful light thing trying to mix the two you know it's it, it was just me trying to fumble my way early songwriting through trying to say what I felt say what say try and give a, a point of view about depression and have a little fun doing it you know um but yeah it's, re it's relatable everybody we all deal with it in many levels you know um myself included I think also you can't be you can't do anything music or creative unless you deal with some level of depression yeah. you know um even to, even to me as a kid, cartoons seemed depressing. Pepe Le Pew was it was like stalking the the, the other uh, skunk there. Yeah, I said you know, <laughs> like it, you know every everything like you know uh, Snow White with all those seven creepy is it seven seven creepy dudes. Like if you really look at the stories of every single thing, you're like, what is going on in this world? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah, but that was me. Yeah, you know, that was. Sorry, wait, 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 for me to ruin your child. Sorry, for you trying to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, 
yeah that's yeah like a cartoon um again lyrically i was just fumbling my way because i was i was just starting to write songs and stuff like that and it, it was um i loved the riff of it you know it's one of these things i always came back to even if i was trying guitars in a guitar shop it would be that riff i would do you know um you got- it's a good riff. I mean, there's a lot of really good riffs on this album. It's a good riffy album, and and I particularly, man, I do like the lyrics on that one too. Thank you. you no, know, it's probably because it's relatable, I guess. You know. Yeah, uh, well, that, that, that's great. It is. Um, I also love the way Kenny's bass sounds in the set on this song. Um, this to me, this one stands out of all the songs because I mixed a few of them. This <laughs> one stands out a lot more because Kenny's playing bass, but he's but it's distorted, you know, and um, he, he's, it, I, I'll let him talk about this because, uh, sorry, Ken, I don't want to kind of jump in for you, but um, yeah. your bass playing is fantastic on the song. Um, I'll take that. Thank you. Thank you very much. No, on, on this, I mean, the, from the bass point of view in this, the, for, for the main sort of dun, 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 main riff, it's just kind of doubling the guitar, but then during the verses and the solos, it does go off on, into this sort of more melodic uh, sort of walking bass line type thing, and it's really fun to play, and I do like the fact that it switches between just the sort of riffing and the, the more sort of flowing melodic walking stuff, uh, and yeah, and in terms of the, the, the actual tone of it, then mm-hmm. the distortion's kind of something. It's actually been fairly recent that I've finally found the kind of tone that I've been wanting to get, which is the sort of fairly gnarly, uh, you know, fairly gnarly distorted tone without being completely a wall of, you know, indescribable fuzz, which is what I was getting in the early days. Uh, and so it's been quite nice the last few times that we've we've got together and, and you know rehearsed and played live and stuff. It's been I'm feeling a lot happier with the tone I'm getting uh, from the bass because it's you know bass is kind of a funny one that you generally you know a lot of people don't really hear the bass other than other bass players, but it's the it's the thing you notice when it's not there. Uh, as the, I always listen to the bass. A bass can destroy a song. Yeah, in my opinion. So yeah. I, I I enjoy sort of when Andy comes up with an idea. I enjoy trying trying to figure out right. Do I just play along with the root notes and follow the riff on the guitar and just do that, or do I play something slightly different or something completely different and just, you know, sometimes it's just really good to just sort of come in and, and use it as a blunt instrument to, to um, hammer away. I would say two things on that. A, congratulations on finding a tone. I think we should have like a birthday cake or a party or something for, for every guitar player that finds a tone because I, I don't think I'll ever find it. Like, so we should have a <laughs> party night for you <laughs> to celebrate you having it, right? Yeah. <laughs> be happy. I, I envy you on that one. I don't think. <laughs> um. And and um and, and the second thing is um what's great about your 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 bass playing and, and overall I'm gonna say and also Andy the production is I can't I couldn't like listen to it and, and distinguish between the track it's a very solid album who produced what I'll be honest with you it's it's very good you did a really good job producing so kudos to you man it's it's equally the same that being said your your bass playing to me is and I'm not gonna say it sounds like but it does the job of of like of like Michael Anthony would do in Van Halen you play it. 
it is where it needs to be played. You don't overplay it, but, need, but then when you need to, you play something else in the right place. It's interesting that you wouldn't expect. Does, yeah. does that make sense to you guys? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. across, because you can't, you can, you can just be like one bass player and do one of those gigs in, in a band and it can be okay. But, but, but the sound you guys have for three people and, and it, working at the, the base is part of the song writing process, not just as part of the, like the building structure. It's actually part of the texture. Yeah. yeah. It's I've always kind of approached it. I mean, we've, uh, I've always preferred being in a power trio. Uh, you know, even I've, I've done a few, I've not done many other bands, but I've sort of done a few things over, over the years with uh, other people just for fun. And we did, uh, I did a, a, a charity gig once with some guys that I was working with, and that was a power trio. I've always just found that when you strip it down to that guitar, bass, drums, mm -hmm. and get the interaction between them going, it's, it's a really powerful thing. And uh, it's something that, I, I really enjoy doing when there's more elements to it. it it's the, the bass has to take a bit of a, a you know, a backseat more. And I'm, yep. yeah, I, I, I kind of like being able to sort of take a bit of spotlight as well as take the backseat. You know, I can, I can do both uh, in this band and it's, it's good fun that way. And less people pick on the bass player too, right? <laughs> well, that's the less bass player jokes. If there's only three of you. <laughs> That's true, but I mean, as you know, bass players are just chronically misunderstood. So I know, but the, but the attempt—if <laughs> you—if you pull off the fretless, if you become a fretless bass player, no one can say anything. That's that's the best offense right there. Well, <laughs> fretless, fretless anything is out of control. <laughs> that all came from. Uh, I, I was a big fan of uh, Jeff. I still am a big fan of Jeff Amit from Pearl Jam, and as mm -hmm. I, I find him, I'm not necessarily always a massive fan of Pearl Jam. I've. Uh, fallen in and out of love with him over the years but his bass playing's always been really interesting and his sort of attitude to you know he gets bases built and they're always really interested interesting bases and stuff so that's kind of where my you know he's one of my influences there in terms of just how everything works and just being not afraid to actually try stuff and one of these days I'll get a 12 string bass but not yet well you're out of control Dude, <laughs> you need your island. That's it. Fantasies. <laughs> How about you, Andy? You find a tone you're happy with? That you kind of got your own tone? Yeah. Uh, like this album, you have a good sound. You have a pretty consistent sound, but it's overall though. Yeah, it, it took um, it took a while to get uh, to get the tone that I've got. Um, you know, because like Kenny was saying, you know, I, I think it was very at the start. It was very much kind of you know, jangle, 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 roar you know yeah that big muff on you know and just let the kind of thing drown in everything out so and the marshall we marshals yeah yeah uh, but <laughs> um but now um I'm, i've realized through working with other people uh and through a, the great uh, some great advice and help from trace foster who's uh, the guitar tech for joe perry cheap trick angus young List goes on and on. He has given me so much advice over over the last couple of years that I'm more overdrive than I am distortion or fuzz. So my my tone comes from simple overdrive, really. You know, if it's a rap pedal or 
uh, Kenny actually builds pedals and he built me a kind of rat, is it totem bender kind of thing? Uh, I love it. You know, it's, it's one of these things, you slap it on immediately, it roars, you know, and, but it's, it's an overdriven roar, you know. Well, I think and that's something that an experienced musician would notice and, and a lot of younger ones wouldn't. And even especially when you guys just first started is sometimes you can still be loud and you get a little distorted, but the cleaner your the power is, the original piece, and then when it gets louder, it's almost like you have more power and more control of your tone and of the frequency. It's like so much more of it by holding back almost. And that's almost like that, you know, the uh, the lions or whatever. I forgot how the story goes, you know, the sin. You know, let's go down in the pack and, you know, and, and, and take one down. No, let's go down and, you know, take them all down. Like slowly, like the knowledge of knowing, holding back sometimes, you know, it's all about dynamic. is really help your, your instrument and also taking down animals i guess <laughs> <laughs> what do you get the forgot how what is that what is your what we're looking at what is that oh this is one i built um oh. it's one of these kit guitars this is this is a, actually a very this is a weird one check that out explorer neck les paul body i like that i've looked at doing a kit guitar you know but i hate electronics i have to find somebody's gonna <laughs> electronics for me I, I can put everything together but i'm like i don't know <laughs> Well, not everybody yeah. should be. I should be doing the, um, you know, the electronics of a guitar. <laughs> it's very easy. You can't go wrong. Well, you can, but you only go wrong once. I would think. I would. I think I would get the wires. I would get it just, you know, just right, and then I'd be playing it, shaking, and then my wiring, my, 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 my it would break or something. I'd be like, come on, that's what I think would happen to me. Yeah. Not the concept. That's that's fun. That's a fun guitar there. What do you got in it for? Uh, what's it loaded with? Oh, it's. Uh... Seymour Duncan, uh, it's a custom custom. Yeah. Eddie Van Halen. Uh, nice. Um, is it a 79 custom or something like that? Um, I don't know. I got it on uh, Facebook Market. Somebody was selling one in Glasgow and picked it up for 50 quid. So can't argue. <laughs> well, I, and I always ask you because I'm, I'm the red guitar behind me, I'm, I'm playing with, you know, redoing it on some level. First, it's going to change our color, then I'm going to put new stuff in it. So, um, I'm looking for advice and, and, and input. So, um, let's talk about uh, how long to be with you. That's uh... um, well, yeah, that's it's uh, that, how long to be with you is a love song. You know, it's kind of that. Um, it's very much Robert Smith, The Cure. It's very much I think a little bit of Beatles in there. There's hmm. yeah, it, it's just one of these songs where. I had the riff, or, you know, chordal structure for it. Um, again, I, I always kind of write the song and then write the lyrics. Uh, I write about the first emotion that it, it evokes, those chords evoke, and that that's what, what it was. My wife was away at the time. Um, yeah, so <laughs> that's all. Wrote it in an afternoon. That was it. It's always the best lovey ballady songs people have. It's usually, you know, missing or, or heartbreak. And I'm always thinking, man, I, if, I, if I've ever sung about something that like, I was so sad about, and then it became big, and they had to sing it all the time, does it become <laughs> like a new thing you're happy about now because it's successful or what? It's got a, got a, a, like a therapy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But um, well, the, uh, the production of this one was actually fun to do. It was, it, it it almost ruined me mixing it because you know, trying to uh, do all the elements of it because I was trying to get uh, acoustic guitars mixed in with distorted guitars and 
uh, distorted bass, um, whilst ever, trying to keep everything very, very clean. Uh, this that was one of the last songs I, I, worked, I was working on, and I think I got it to a point where I was like, you know what, if I touch it or move anything else, I'm, I may lose it, and I don't, I don't want to do that. So, what it is is what it is right now, but it, I, I, I think it sounds great, and it's, it's crunchy, it's, it's got a lovely jangly tone while still retaining the kind of the body of it you know, body of rock you know so i do i actually love these little facts about each song because listening to it and um i've been in more more of a uh, formatted rock or different types of music but less of the production of, of of this of this genre besides just listening to it i've never actually been in the production of it so to me it's also very interesting to hear how you put these songs together <laughs> from a you know a nerd end of it because it you know i, I really like it how you, to find the balance of it is you know yeah well uh fun enough trace foster said um there's only one person in the world that's going to know what you want to sound like and that's yourself so learn how to do it you know and best advice you know so that's what we've done and i think kenny uh, I, I think we've got it to the stage where we're very happy with what sound in total is and how how we're getting it is absolutely spot on you know so yeah yeah i don't see outside of you having someone to to be fresh ears while you're not producing everything moving forward i mean you've kind of got the sound and it's it's great you know mm-hmm. maybe someone to slap you in the knuckles once in a while to say hey <laughs> yeah because uh, you always you always need fresh ears you know what i mean and if you're part of the band if you're just an outside producer and you have an idea then those guys are got their own thing yeah. but if it's your own music you need fresh ears yeah well that that's where i love doing that because you know i'll i'll mix it to a certain point and then i'll just say i'll pass it off to the guys you know to john and kenny and say i need fresh ears on this tell me what you think and they'll pick out their things and add their bits but um there's been a few things kenny's picked up on which has been vital and obviously once you once you keep hearing and hearing listening and listening to the same song over and over again when you're mixing and producing it you tend to kind of go, you know, blind in the ear. <laughs> that makes sense. That, that the, the fatigue of, of just hearing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. At one point, yeah. everything sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to hear your race, go home. Yeah. You know. All becomes mud in the ear. <laughs> it does. So as we're talking about this, we'll talk about rain next. But as we talked about this, the, how much um, the flow of the album did you, when you, it's the same order the album was put together when you first did it, like when you, had, when you guys, or did you change it around the song the song listing? How is this the same flow it had before? Yeah. Well, on you go, Kenny. I'll, I'll let you. I was just going to say that there's uh, the only thing is that there was uh, we've we've taken a song out from the original recordings that we did way back when, uh, just because I can't. It just it didn't really fit the flow of it. It was too similar to a couple of the other songs that didn't really add anything. So we, we, we took one song out to, uh, to just make everything else flow better. And I think that's that's worked. Yeah, I think so. That was my favorite song. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I think I'd like to tease, but, but on a serious note, I mean, it's... I don't, I don't know if it's generationally because everyone listens to stuff like one minute here, one minute there. But when I'm listening to it, like I, I like to put your music in, and and the reason why you're a band I listen to and why bands on a show is I, you know, put it on any of your albums and it goes through. It's not like you're driving a car. It's like when you're teaching your kid how to drive stick shift. You're like, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
that's a horrible listening experience you know even if they're all great songs if you put them in the wrong order yeah, yeah. it can be pretty it can be pretty abrasive or two or three of the same songs are together so to self-edit and take out a personal love because it's just two of the same is, yeah. is an important thing it is yeah um and i always kind of maintain and the see those albums that like cheap trick cheap tricks in color or even aerosmith's um uh get a get a grip or mm-hmm. you know, those type of albums you put it on and there's not a kind of stutter moment or there's not one like skip moment or there's you know those albums once you put that first song on you're you're hooked from right and then it's over you're like what happened i just i just it's like an experience it's like a ride it's a yeah and realistically that's what i always wanted for an overhaul album was to put that on and you're you're taken through that kind of start to finish and without having to press skip or you know go on to another album type thing you know but um yeah, <laughs> and that's good because I mean that's why I listen to music. There's been some albums of, of artists I enjoy, and sometimes you know if you have a couple of bad tracks or bad things in there, it actually prevent me from listening to the album because I hate skipping around the songs. I'm have to like then I have to go through and, like make like a greatest this thing or something. I don't like doing that. I like I'm like I like the way the artist intended it. You yeah. know, it's the journey that you set, and then you know if, if an artist and a band can survive through the fights of recording it, and then deciding whose song goes where, which is usually the worst. <laughs> You know, and invite the producers or whatever. If it's made it that far along, you want to give it the full listen, you know, the respect that it deserves. Um, tied to the tracks. You know, they're all good titles. I love that one. That's that's a good one. Tied to the tracks. That that is a that is a beast. That is a beast of a song. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is that is sheer sheer anger and uh, <laughs> trying to come out with something that. Um, you're just frustrated with pe- with certain people and you're frustrated with the world and you're you, sometimes you just need to shout and scream and this song does that <laughs> um right from the get-go when you hear that talk box and you know it's it's and the funny thing is you can't I, I can't listen to that song without the talk box on it when we when we do it live yeah because of the technical thing of having a talk box there it's quite difficult to do so we tend to leave it out but you miss it you know you're like no it's gotta have that <laughs> you know i think it's great i think that actually that'd be a good that'd be a good a good single i could see that being a black and white video and maybe throw those with some black and white crazies like for tie the tracks just just to break up the shots of the, of the craziness of the video of a live video of doing like the old uh the old, the old tied to the tracks, uh, you know, <laughs> like the old black and white movies, you know, the yeah. damsel in distress and the villain. Yeah, just a few clips there just to, to, to break up the live shots, but mostly just make it a live black and white, full in your face video. That was, so, uh, you've got a video there, so if you want to do it, how do you go? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, that, that is, that is the, yeah, that'd be great. Um, Rush yeah. Roulette? I'm sorry. Yeah, can you? Uh, but yeah, that that song um, again. This is this is a song that um, production-wise was difficult to do um, because Ken, again, Kenny's bass playing on this is phenomenal. Um, and I don't just say that because he's my best friend and he's in my band. For any bass bass player I've heard, this his bass playing on this track is fantastic. Um, because he adds an element that you think shouldn't work with a distorted bass. Um, 
and it's some sort of kind of filter pedal thing that yeah. he uses. But I'll let Ken, Ken, you, you tell you tell him what. Yeah. You do. So on this one, and I don't even know how, why I decided to use an envelope filter on on the song, but basically it's a Qtron electroharmonics Qtron envelope filter which when you play bass and you go dom 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 it sort of goes wap 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 and does this auto wah thing and the specific one that I have this Qtron I've never managed to find anything that sounds quite the same as it and I'm always on on a quest to find maybe a smaller pedal about that size because it's you know it's a fairly sizable pedal and I don't want to have to cart it around but yeah it's it's just it adds that real strange element of this sort of funky sound in what is otherwise a very aggressive track and then because of the the, the funkiness of the sound it sort of forces me to play quite a quite a bouncy bass line to to go with that which again works to, to counteract the, the the raw aggression of the guitars and yeah I, I again it's great fun to play it live and if if you if we're doing a show that's one of the tracks that's fairly likely to get people jumping around at it so yeah it's one of my favorites this is actually a good, a good example that I talk about too about being playing something separate, like like a Michael Anthony, like you're playing something totally different. Like that is exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Where you you know, you've got such freedom to do different parts. You move around, you put the right parts where it belongs, you know. Yeah. So and it doesn't sound like it sticks out on on a, on a, on a, on a listener side because the whole album, like I said, it just it flows. So yeah, maybe you uh, sitting at the desk producing it and mixing it is different. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a difficult thing to do to transfer that kind of live performance into a studio environment, um, and that's why all of these songs were recorded us live in in band in in a room. Uh, we were all in there together. Apart from the vocals, we did all the instrumentation there, um, and it just adds. It, it just it gets us that huge step closer to what it sounds like live which is what we want people to sound or want well, people to hear. So. I, I tell you one, one of the things i do if i'm listening to somebody and i'm doing something like this with an artist i like is i do, do a couple different tests you know you're like oh can you listen to it this is a good song and then there's different types of music you know can i listen to it if i'm, if I'm working can i listen to it if i'm you know doing your work or driving like you know what i'm saying and then then i start breaking down the production of it so this one i actually went from earphones and i got my better headphones and i really went really deep in a sound because i'm like wow so, you know, which is, it wouldn't have been a bad thing if it wasn't, but I'm saying what was interesting is, is because of, of I, I'm not a genre, because you, I do hear Beatles, but the 90s is strong, but then I hear a lot of newer stuff too, so I don't feel it's a dated sound. I mean, you have a, you know, but, but that being said, it's, I think you used to wear muddy is very, very, very slippery slope, especially with this, this type of music, because there's a lot of distortion and, you know, everything can really kind of, could just be too much, especially when you're like, mixing it because you're mixing for different size speakers and different stereos and stuff it's really hard it to me it didn't you beat you, you escaped that and you kept it very lush sounding where you had a lot of a lot of sounds and when i really put my headphones on i could still hear the crispness of it like i really listened to it you know and you could drill down because it's so much you know, it's very lush and that's what you hear first especially on smaller speakers oh, thank you. so i mean mission accomplished you know that that's a challenge 
Yeah. It means a lot, you know, because uh, a lot of a lot of hard work went into it um, from all of us, you know, um, and you're lucky because I listened to it this week. I have a lot of time to it. <laughs> giving you help. <laughs> uh, all, all constructive criticism. <laughs> I can take it. Um, <laughs> one of the things I love about this is because we had such a, a bad experience the first time around, you know, and not having it the way that we wanted it, not it, it, having this thing that we're like, we can't release this, you know, this isn't good enough, you know, to having it like this. It, it does, it does mean the world to hear the feedback from, other people seeing that you know so thank you very much you know, oh, i take collection very seriously actually the book i was just reading recently direction i still follow it and love it i mean so i went to school for that originally um just i, I couldn't sit this to you all the time anymore i couldn't do it <laughs> as a young person i just um russian roulette that's a interesting uh where'd that one come from uh again had a frustration for somebody um won't go into who that is um but yeah it was just one of these things that all my life it was just one of these things that had been happening and then it got to a realization stage where it was kind of like um, i'm out on my own i'm doing you know i'm living life the way i want to live it and type thing and I, you start to see things in a different light and different perspective um and you you know one of the first things you do as as an adult is what you should do is learn how to say no that hurts stop that i don't want that in my life anymore you know and basically russian roulette is me again fumbling through early stages of songwriting trying to not swear too much but (laughs) (laughs) but musically it feels like you're breaking free too though it feels like you know the statement's being said musically too yeah, um, it, uh, what, what I like about it is it, it's kind of um, it's kind of like that Seattle, not, not sorry, not Seattle, that Minneapolis sound, that kind of soul, early kind of soul asylum stuff. You know, the punk stuff, the mm-hmm. do the replacements. That kind of rift is just it's it's driving and it's very of that scene. You know, you, you know you'd imagine hearing that in 1984 or something like that, and you know, opening for you know loud fast rules or you know one of these guys you know and um so yeah i always feel a sprinkle there's always especially with all those guys it always feels like i can hear a little bit now it always like a little sprinkle of melancholy oh yeah not like you know a dash here a dash here a heat here <laughs> it's so cold there so there has to be it's a little here yeah. in there, you know but um <laughs> but no yeah uh it, it is a fun song to play uh, again i really like kenny's bass playing on this one and even john's drumming on this one was exceptional you know i really, really enjoyed it so actually yeah. we didn't talk about the drums itself but for me it's just the production on them are very, I, I love get drums are drums a challenge to produce because you yeah. really gotta be careful because otherwise you sound either dead or you're yeah. you know you're compressing it and then when you compress it it's going to destroy the dynamics of the rest of the song exactly. you know and, and with the, especially with a lot of your songs it would i couldn't even imagine if you just cut <laughs> you can press the drums on your song so it's a big part of it but it has a really good live full sound yeah which, well, which is a, a challenge well here's here's a little secret right don't tell anybody about this right don't no, one, tell no one anybody. watches this show except for my mom <laughs> here's the secret of that sound uh you take you know these uh in films when when, uh, when you're film, making movies you see this big big long 
shotgun mic. Yep. Um, well, you, we took one of those and you put it about kind of six, seven feet above the snare drum. And then you pass that through an 1176 at 20 to 1 ratio and you smash the hell out of it. You put that on a separate track, but you bring it in with the the, the drums. You've got, you've got, you've got. That sounds, you, you, that, well, it, that's good. That's actually awesome. You know what it reminds me of? It sounds a lot like um, how Rush did some of their stuff. You ever hear how he was doing his stuff? Yeah. yeah. I know one time he used to tape uh, like a lavalier at one point here to his chest. They drop him from the ceiling, right? So when he's drumming, wherever he's pointing, yeah. he's going to pick it up here. Okay. Yeah. Well, but, so there's, but then he would also do the mics, the drop sounds. Like there were so many. I love that. And that's another, you know. Well, here's another little tip that, that, that we did on this album um, is overhead mics. Yep. We're right behind the drummer, right at his ears. So what you're hearing is what the drummer's hearing um, as he's playing. So it's a different perspective, um, but it adds more to the live feel of what we're trying to do. And that, well, it holds better. It sounds live, though. It sounds much, you know, fresh. Yeah. Uh, uh, but again, that's all thanks to Trace Foster. He taught he, he taught me a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think um, it's worth also mentioning John's performance uh, on. I mean, obviously he's, he's played fantastic stuff all throughout the uh, the album. My favorite bit was uh, at the end of Rain, of where uh, that I think was the first or second take is the one that we went with. And it was really difficult for me to keep playing because he just came in with this sort of insane, trying to make it sound like a thunderstorm type thing. And it kind of, it just moves around the timing a lot. And I, I'm trying to keep it sort of fairly 4-4, but at the same time, you know, my instincts to follow the drummer, but he's, uh, John was just playing something amazing. And part of it is just the surprise of what on earth that happening <laughs> uh, that really fed into that particular take. So that that's, I think my, my favorite bit of John's drumming on the albums that the, the end of rain, when the, the sort of the thunderstorm kicks in and it's just, it was something quite special. Just, it, it was just sort of, I think pretty much improvised. I don't think he had it overly planned out. It was just like play something at the end and just came in with this really, you know, like a thunderstorm. Yeah. It was, it's a, if Drummond can, if that piece, if that could be a piece of art. <laughs> you know, it was, it was out of this world, you know. Um, I have to go back and listen to that separately now. But the problem is, there's so much on this album. I've already listened to it a bunch. And each time I hear something different. You know what I mean? You know, like when you like, you know, you first time you Jethro Tull, you listen to everything else and one day you're like, Oh my god, the drums on this is incredible. Like you're like and then all you hear is just the drums very just you don't hear anything else, just the drums, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's one of those things where like I keep going back, I keep hearing something different, you know. And that'll probably be happy for a while. That that's that's a telltale too. It's almost like you raised the bar with your first album now. <laughs> you releasing it. <laughs> you know? In production wise. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's all good. It, it's 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 really good. How about drawing the line? Um, drawing the line, like, again, uh, I was an angry guy at the time, <laughs> plain and simple. Uh, and it's one of these, like I said about the Russian roulette thing, uh, there's a point where in life where you just have to kind of 
say no you know this is this is this is the end this is the kind of um i'm not gonna allow, allow you to treat me this way anymore so uh that's what that song's about it's just um a very aggressive way of writing um and yeah it, it turned out the way it turned out and uh, um there was a lot i was trying to say in it from a songwriting perspective i think i touched all the bases but it's not a great piece of work but it's not my, my finest but you know it, it, for for first song not first couple of songs you know I think and the way it turned out was actually really really great because i was worried about this one because we're older now this is an aggressive aggressive fast-paced song and i was worried do we have the, the stamina to do this and hell yeah and it it, 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 kind of, it totally impressed me you know and well it's it's sonically very powerful and i would i don't say step back i wouldn't say it's not like that song i wouldn't you, you gotta stop speaking like that man these are you know you can't compare songs you know it's not it's not like they're kids children you can compare and say who's your favorite kid <laughs> <laughs> and i do everything i do every single day and i just point to them i tell them you <laughs> but songs are special <laughs> And when you write at a certain point in your life, you know, yeah. when you hear an artist like I look back, my old lyrics are awful. No, it's, it's who you were then. That was how you created. That's who you were. You wouldn't have been part of the journey we are now. You know, exactly. it's a part of the language. So it's it's good. It stands on its own. You're not you're really comparing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, That's just my opinion. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I mean, it, it, it is where I was at the time. Right. Um, I'm glad it's out. <laughs> it's it's it's, uh, it's now out of my system. And yeah. Well, this is looking back and breaking down. It's kind of interesting to hear like a little bit of how, where you were at and then like sonically kind of just breaking through these songs this way because it's putting the time to go back and reduce it when you did and the band's getting close to 25 years. I mean, it's kind of unknown. So for me to go back, I want to go like break into a couple of these, you know, here and now type of thing is kind of a fun thing. Yeah. You know, of course it was a little different. You're a little different person now, you know, you, as a human, as a songwriter, it's a little different. Yeah. But it doesn't sound like it's a, um, you know, like a 15 year old, angry 15 year old's album. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Well, I it think, sounds like an artist that's just sharing emotions. Yeah. I, I think like with many things in life, um, with songs, especially if you're, if you're a songwriter, that what you're writing about isn't going to change. How you felt is, is, hasn't changed. So it's just as real now as it was back then. You know, so it, it was interesting to kind of go back um, to do these songs, to redo them, um, because you're talking about 18 years of a difference. You know, you're talking about. But did you just bring it right back to, the, to, to that moment? Like, you don't feel like you're that old. Like, when you walk by the mirror, you're like, who's that creepy old guy looking at me? You're like, <laughs> <laughs> because you don't feel like you're that guy. It just feels like it was yesterday on some level, you know? Yeah. I mean, um, and COVID hasn't helped making it feel like it was just yesterday. It was the same day as before. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like it feels like you're like, oh, I'm gonna write this song. I'm gonna feel this emotion. Like you're right there. Yeah, I mean, it's one of these things. I often, I, I, I'd love to hear what you what you think about this guy. Kind of, kind of, kind of going back to do them. Because how do you feel listening back to the songs now? It, it's a, it is a strange thing because I am a very different person now than what I was back then and I've you know I've had a vast amount of interesting experience with life since then and 
you know, we've both moved on from being those guys just, you know, uh, sitting around jamming out guitars and uh, just moving on. It's it's interesting. I don't think that, you know, if, you know, what we're going to come out with next, I don't think it's going to, you know, sound the same. It's hopefully going to sound... I don't. I don't want to say more sophisticated because that's not what I mean. But you know, the first album feels like something that you know we had to do, and and you know, Andy's sort of had a lot of stuff to get out of his system at, at that time, and since then, you know, we've you know we've had a, a, a fairly in, interesting life between the two of us. I think we've done some. Uh, you know, I, I think we've both managed to sort of turn out all right in the end. <laughs> and I don't think this is the end either. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a, a funny one for me to go back and, and revisit it, but it does feel like unfi- unfinished business that it's been really great to deal with the stuff that was annoying me about th- that original version and none of it, you know, we, we said, you know, we haven't really talked too much about what the original version sounded like. It's not terrible, but there's things in it that, you know, anytime I hear the old tracks, because I've, I've got a, a copy of them on, on a, a folder of MP3s, and if I listen back, I'm like, yeah, I can hear all the stuff that's wrong, and I can remember being in the studio and it wasn't a, a nice experience. We've been in to, you know, we've done other recording sessions, other stuff that's been an enjoyable, fun time. That one really didn't feel like fun. And I, I can't exactly put my finger on what was wrong, but I just remember thinking at the time that, you know, we, we did, was it a two-day session or a three-day session? in the studio I think I mean this all this stuff you know we're we're, we're DIY we're you know we, we don't have any kind of record label behind us we're funding it ourselves we're doing it for you know you know fun as much as anything else as as this point a lot of artists do even uh bigger artists are at this point the same thing yeah and but part of it is just we want to create something good and that I can remember it was you know we'd saved up a bit of cash to be able to go into the studio but we were aware the clock was ticking and I can just remember being really nervous and especially the you know when we first recorded the first song and the, the red light went on for the first time and I froze and I could feel myself having to force thinking what note am I hitting next how does this how are the strings working why does it not you know am I in time with the drama and all these things that should just come naturally were not coming naturally to me and it eventually calmed down and we we did get some great performances but I can still hear all the bad stuff as well and I just remember also uh, and I, this isn't a criticism of the guy that was uh, producing us, but I can remember we we sort of recorded a song, you know, one of the first takes of one of the first songs, and finished the song, and then there was just sort of silence, and eventually he, he came on to say, right, is that how you how you think it should sound? 
And that was not a question that I was expecting. And that wasn't a question that was putting my mind at ease. <laughs> and, and and so we, we traced back through to the control room and, and listened. And, and it was, it was, I think we just didn't really know what, you know, I think we expected it to sound amazing and maybe it didn't. And I don't, I just felt that we didn't really communicate what we were trying to get out of it well because we were, you know, we were just young guys at the time. Nowadays, we've got a much you know, clearer idea and less likely to be intimidated by it. And also, it's, you know, it's not like we, you know, we should have been intimidated by the producer. The producer want, wants us to sound good just as much as. Well, we it only has two days. Like almost not. Uh, for the producer side, you know, you have two days sitting for a band that's never been in the studio before. Yeah. What, 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 a, what, a, what a wormhole to be like, what do you want to sound like? It could take, <laughs> sometimes it takes three weeks to set up a drum set, you know, like for, for like two days, you're like, are you happy with that? <laughs> like, where are you going to go with that? You know? Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't think there was much discussion in the fact that, you know, what we wanted to sound, you know, we were kind of in there and yeah, I remember a, a vague thing like mentioned before of Nirvana's in utero. Um but I don't actually remember there being like great in-depth conversation about. I think we just, I just remember we set up the gear that we had at the time and played the songs through the gear and that was that. And I think, you know, on, on reflection, maybe blasting everything through the, 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 the Marshall at high volume and sort of then having a, a very clanky, my I can't remember what bass amp I had at the time, but it was quite sort of clanky sounding, and uh, it didn't really sit well with the the guitar, and just yeah, it was all that's the stuff that the our inexperience really showed at that, and and now that we've got a much clearer idea of what we're doing and and what we want to sound like, it's it's been really well, great plus you're, you're producing your own music that you know or you know going into it. i mean you like to the producer have you heard of um you listen to the minute man you know steve albini you know any production my butch fig like you know what i mean like they could be trying to just saying oh i've heard a nirvana song on the radio i'm just going to try to make a nirvana song on the radio you know what i mean like yeah. you know how to remix because it's you know like the whole background behind these albums you know it depends on who you're getting for a producer and then you guys coming in new you know yeah this is your therapy album really is what it is <laughs> you know between putting old ghosts to rest, huh? yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you, you, I mean, but I mean, you know, the thing is, this, this doesn't sound like an old album, though. That's that's the interesting part, you know. It has the freshness of the young band, but the maturity in the production is is there of an experienced band, which is, you know, yeah. why I said earlier it, it will sit well in your album catalog, or it won't feel like. We all have groups that we like, you know, I don't mention names in this show, where some albums you, know, you listen to less often than the other ones because it just kind of feels like a weird part of the band. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I like that once in mm -hmm. a while. You know, this one kind of fits even sonically with it. The last, well, the last song is Can't Go Back, and I want to talk about what's going on in the future with you guys. And also, what are some of the songs like you, you touching that song, but then to further explain it, it's like, so fans that know the songs, they only know them from being live all these years. Did you have any, is there any bootlegs out there? Any favorites you guys do a lot? Or like, how does that work? Or like this mysterious album, 
Um, but you got to start with that last song first, because can't go back. That's a good title for our last song on an album. Yeah, and also the point that, that we recorded it, so we have gone back. <laughs> <laughs> Liars. Back again. Tyler the album's called Liars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, um, Can't Go Back is, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a run-on of, like, what I was speaking of before about kind of um, being in a situation where, you know, you just can't carry on with it. And, um you just make a stand. Um, that song was originally just recorded on, or it was originally just meant to be an acoustic song. That was a throwaway thing. Um, sorry, that's not a, that's not true. That wasn't a throwaway thing. It was just something that I'd written and carried on with. Um, so literally two lies of the song already. Keep going, keep going. Um, <laughs> what happened was that Kenny and that was one of the one of the first shows that Kenny and I did. At, I think it was a place called the Thirteenth Note in Glasgow, and I remember we needed a group of songs to put together. And I said, "Well, I have this one. Let's just try this." And it turned out the way it turned out. Um, and we played that live, and I think that's how that song ended up becoming an overhaul song. So, um, yeah. Uh, there's not much more I can say about it. It's a good song. It's a good fitting song to end the album on, too. Like I said, in the world of continuity, it's you know, it knocks out of the park. So yeah. how do people know all these songs? If Just literally from being live fans all these years? Yeah, 25 years of playing these songs um, and having the kind of goal to, to continue playing them without there being an album of it. Um, it, it actually... How did that make you crazy by people saying, would you put it out already? Would you put it out already? I would be so sick of that. Um, well, yeah. Stop playing it or put it out. You one or the other because you're, you know, you're teasing. Funnily enough, uh, when John joined Overhaul and we released the lighter EP, we were doing quite mm-hmm. a, few, we were doing a number of shows, and we were doing a few of these songs, and a lot of people were asking, "Why aren't these on an album?" And it, yeah. it, it got to a point where it was kind of like, well guys we have to sort of discuss this you know because um you know a lot of people are asking about this and that's when we decided you know what well we have our own we have these songs we may as well kind of talk about doing them um conversation led to conversations to then actions so we decided to do it um there's any point where you guys listen you know what instead of doing the album again like you're like, hey, let's just do a full, let's do the album, but live. We'll record it live. Um, There's I, a lot of reasons why you couldn't do it, but it feels like that could be another solution because you always do it live, just do like a live album of it. You know, that, that's probably something we never even thought about. Me to cut corners, I would have been like, you know what? <laughs> we're doing it live. Let's just do a live special one-off show, record it, and then we're, it's, you know, they know it live. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that, that was a good idea. You know, maybe we should do that for an album. But you could do a live one like that. Yeah, well, we do one of songs that the that the, the crowd don't know, and then just record the new one live. Bands have done that before. They used to do that in the '70s. Mm. You know, remember music was allowed to be exciting and dangerous, final. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I now. think music is. I, I'm so I'm going to jump in here. Uh, I think music still is exciting and dangerous. I, I, I don't think it's ever not going to be exciting and dangerous. Uh, and 
that's you know it changes with every era there is something different about it but it's you know just now there's crazy stuff happening out there as well but yeah i, I just that's uh, I, agree I don't i think music is exciting i don't think rock's dead i don't think any of that stuff i'm just you know, I also, but I never thought music was dangerous because it's just like with the pyramids that you're scared of somebody's hairdo or because somebody's got studs <laughs> on their belt or, you know, what's dangerous is taking selfies at the Grand Canyon or like being on Instagram or something. That's dangerous. Music's exciting and creative, you know what I mean? And if something's yeah. something different, it's not dangerous. It's it's awesome. It's challenging as long as you're doing it because it's their muse inside, you know? That's whether you're a huge band or, in, you know, in your bedroom with a laptop. Yeah. So that leads yeah, to that, here in 25 years of you guys. So you guys are not bedroom laptop guys. You guys got your own little legacy going on here. What's what's moving forward? What are we going to be doing with this album and, and the new one? Okay, well. Uh, well what what we, can you share for this what, episode? Well, uh, next year, we're, we're hoping to do three albums. Um, what? A, a best of type thing that'll be out later in the year just to celebrate 25 years yeah of what we've been doing and to have it collectively in a little package you know it's like here's to the, here's that 25 years let's do the next 25 you know yeah um we can safely say this now that um we talked about the Minutemen earlier on um mike watt the bass player for the Minutemen, he has agreed to do a split album with us so what? <laughs> See what you there? Yeah, what? Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm a dad. I can't help it. Let's <laughs> say overhaul. This has been a good interview too. And I, I'll start with these puns. So I'll step back here. So Mike Watt and the Second Men are going to do three songs on a split album with us, and we're going to do whatever twelve minutes, fifteen minutes it's going to do. Um, so that's that's a very exciting thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't. I'm, I'm still pinching myself over that one. That's, that's a, it's a dream come true. And you know, Mike is a fantastic friend. He played on a song of ours years ago, um, and you know, he were a regular on his kind of radio show. Um, but uh, the next full length album um, is actually being produced by Trace Foster. You know, the, the Cheap Trick, um, Aerosmith. Look at you guys. He's producing it, um, and we've already started on three songs. Uh, one of which, uh, it, 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 it's a great song. You know, how are you not jumping out of your skin? Just let's take a recap here. Yeah. You just re-released perfect production to the album you always wanted to do. You're gonna do some split. Twenty-five years to celebrate the greatest hits, and you're doing some awesome production with a new album with a great producer. This is like all at once. Yeah, it, it's a dream come true, really. You know, and if, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen on our 25th anniversary. So, well, in all fairness, you guys are a good a good band. So it's not like it's you know a gift of just you know, yeah, you know, someone's giving you a shot. Yeah. You've earned it, and you know you guys deliver. So, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But yeah, it's going to be a very busy year. Um, we, we, we're happy to come along for the ride <laughs> all the way through it. <laughs> we will, you will, you'll be back. We'll, I want updates. We'll, we'll have you back. You can do all kinds of things now. Yeah. Uh, Celebrate you guys because you guys do kill it. You know, uh, here's a little bit tidbit for you as well. Uh, the 28th of September, uh, that's when we're releasing the album. 
but it's also Kenny's birthday. So Ooh. we're gonna have to happy have sweet sixteen party, <laughs> <laughs> party kind of little drink to him. You know, you know it's gonna be a special. Right, they were doing the, the sweet sixteen and never been kissed party. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> That is, that is really good. That is tough. See, you guys, good things are coming, you know. It was a, it was a rough haul for everybody. Yeah. You know, that's year, but at least you guys had some good, some light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's all, it's been a fantastic journey so far. Um, long may it continue. Um, and the, you know what? The, the one thing about music is it's fun to do, but it is joyous when you're doing it with your best friends. And that's what I love about overhaul because it is the second we hit that stage, the second we get, we plug in and the first chords ring out, it's like, Oh, it's this intensity that happens. And it's absolutely fantastic. You know, so. You it know, feels I, like a celebration of, of friends and even in the music, it sounds, I mean, you can always, you can produce a self. So everybody sounds like they're playing, you know, me on the same page, yeah. but, but it's, it's really true. It really feels like, you know, it's it's a sound of everybody together. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I, I, I love about this band because yes, although I write all the songs, one of the things that I established very very early on is I don't want to be earning the money for the kind of royalties for my songs. All of that goes into one pot, and if we become millionaires, we become millionaires together. If we become just the way we are, that's it. You know, but. I, I, I don't want it any other way where any friction, any kind of bad feeling steps in because of money, that tainted yep. thing, you know? Just uh, talking about it, I got Kenny upset and he turned himself off. Look at that. See, it's a very sensitive subject. <laughs> so, you know, I, I was dusting a bit of dust off the screen and hit the wrong button. So <laughs> I'm, I'm just getting those technology just, as well. So. I, actually, I actually think it's good. I think in, in, in the, it's the model of some of the successful bands, you know? And it's also the model of how the biggest bands were broken up. Yeah. And how yeah. songs are picked out. Like, honestly, because if you're not worrying about money, you're doing it for passion, you're going to get the best product at the end. Yeah. From, from everybody. And we just want to have fun doing it. You know, that, that, that's the end of the day. It's, um, it's as therapeutic for us as it is for somebody listening to it. You know, it, it, it's, it, it, yeah, it's, it's just fun. You know, and that, that, and the second I think you lose that, you should, or it's it, the threat of losing that, then you really have to kind of reassess everything. You know, um, unless you're making so much money, it really doesn't matter what people <laughs> you feel, because you got to pay for a lot of cars in a big house and three ex-wives. And that's that's another show. <laughs> that is another show. Yeah. On a serious note, it is. It's it's really the, the reason that's why musicians. I mean, nowadays it's what keeps people going. You know, whether. It's not your main gig. It is your main gig. It's still your main gig. You do other things that pay bills, but it's part of you. You do it because you do it. You can't, you really couldn't do anything else. I mean, even if you weren't, you know, you'd still be picking up your guitar at the corner of your, your bass. You'd still be playing in your house or your parties. You're, it's just who you are. Yeah. You know? yeah. In your blood, you know, it's, it's something that you have to do. You know, it's, um, it's good fun. <laughs> That's all it is. You know, whether it's get that. acoustic and kind of bringing out a kind of Neil Young song or you know, playing an ACDC riff on a Les go for it. You know, if, it, if it's making if it's making you feel in your life, you know? Music is, I think, to me, one of the few things, and you could, um, besides a person, you can really feel physically falling in love, you know? 
like when I got hearing aids, I re-listened to something again I hadn't heard in a while. Where you listen to like different mixes of songs, or like I started picking up guitar and I started playing songs that I it was background music because you feel like it's oh it's whatever sound, and then you play it, you're like oh I get why everybody loves like that simple riff. It's so fun to play. It's ridiculously simple. Like and you're like it's like you know some song you wouldn't think like you heard your parents play or something in the car. So you know, you know what I'm saying it's like ridiculous. And you're like that's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. You start yeah. to fall in love with it again because it's just, just so many avenues of, of of pleasure. Yeah. Well, fun of things um, we got invited to do this podcast um, called the best of Scottish by the best of Scottish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things that wait, uh, wait, there's another podcast besides me. Son of a, oh. <laughs> well, you start overall, to, you start listening to all these kind of Scottish songs. Um, and you, you, I'm trying to, I was trying to figure out what song to do. Um, so you're going through and then you, you start looking, you start hearing Maggie me and then you start hearing stuff by Texas and um, you know, Paolo Natini. But then something comes on like the Bay City Rollers, Shang Lang. You know, you're thinking, <laughs> "Oh my God, <laughs> that is so such a twee song." But I, I bet you, if you played that on any dance floor, everybody's up there and giving it kind of Shang Lang. You know, <laughs> there is no such thing as guilty music. I say, dude, I I'm ashamed of none of my music. I listen to so much crazy stuff. You know, it doesn't mean I listen to everything popular music either. But I have there's a lot of stuff I listen to it. You know, not cool. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> If you enjoy it, then it's good. That huh? is, that is it. So the release is on the twenty eighth of September. Big things coming for you guys. We will have you back again um, many more times. To, you know, I got a couple ideas of some specials we can do with you, and I want to keep pushing this machine ahead. Finally, now we got to talk too, because you know, like I said, you were going to be one of the first bands uh, I did, and you know, yeah, yeah. And now I think one hundred seventeen. I think literally think like probably about one hundred five shows have gone by waiting for you. Well, I actually didn't have gray hair before we started this. Before I wait, just waiting for you, I didn't have gray hair. Now I have a full head. So, hope it was worth the wait. <laughs> it was. It was more than worth the wait. You'll, you'll be back again. Uh, well, thank you guys for being on the show, man. We'll, we'll bring John back on this one. We'll, we'll yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice, right? Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on the show, guys. Okay, thank, thank you. you okay.